Hey everybody, thanks for joining us today. If you were with us this past Sunday, you got to hear many of our church members uh, talk about and, and really attest to why being in community and being a part of a church community is so important for discipleship and why we need to be in circles with each other, why we need to be in community with each other, why being a part of a, of a, of a group of people who are in conversation around God's word and you know, talking about God's word and seeking to apply it to us all, why that is so important for our Christian faith and for our walk with God. And, and we heard from different people at different points in different walks of life talk about how their lives have been improved by being in circles, by being in community, by being uh, around each other and, 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 and discipling with one another. And this video is meant to be a supplement to what you've already heard uh, from those that are participating in these and, and growing because of these. Uh, this video is meant to exclaim and, and punctuate what you've already heard uh, and give you some more biblical proof and background about why this is so important for the church. And if you're listening, if you are a part of a church, another church, and you're listening to our video, we're thankful that you have joined in. Uh, but if you are in a church where this is not prioritized, uh, th this isn't meant to make you shake your confidence in your church, but it's to make you wonder, hey, why aren't we doing this? And maybe you could be the one that spearheads this initiative. And if you're a part of our church, uh, this is to uh, all the more encourage you to get involved in our small groups that meet every Sunday evening. And if you're not in church and you know you already realize, hey, maybe I should be, this is an even more important reminder for you that not only do you need to be just attending the service that, that goes on week after week, but you need to be involved in the community of God. And I want to talk about why our regroups is what we call our small groups, um, an opportunity to, to regroup and, and to look back at the week before and look forward to the week ahead and, and really start the week off right, grounded in God's word and uh, you know, strengthened by one another. Uh, we're going to break down just why I believe this is such an important part of the local church and is something that the church in years past, and especially in evangelical and, and, and Baptist circles, we've become so individualistic in our faith. We've forgotten that it was always about a community, and it was always about being with one another, walking with one another, helping one another along the way. So uh, I want to read you from the Old Testament and the New Testament why I believe this is such an important endeavor for the church to commit to, and why we as a church are going to commit to it, and why you should be a part of it uh, in your local church. Joel, the prophet Joel, uh, speaks to Israel uh, in the Old Testament uh, when they were really downtrodden and really suffering a lot of setbacks. A lot of them were self-induced and self-afflicted. Uh, but Joel looks to the future, and he promises that Israel's day uh, in, in the center of God's plan is not over. But he looks forward to the day that God would bring the church out of Israel, that God would bring not just a, a, a movement for Israel, but a movement for the whole world, a gathering for the whole world. Of course, this is fulfilled in the book of Acts when the church launches. Peter quotes this text. But I want you to hear from Joel 2, 23 through uh, 26, and, and let this word speak to you. Be glad, O children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you the abundant rain, the early and the latter rain as before. Now, in ancient Israel, and really in that part of the world today, uh, they had what they called the early rain, which was in the fall of the year, and then the latter rain, which was in the spring of the year. And Joel picks up on that, uh, that idea that they would have been very familiar with and says, 
that God is going to pour out his spirit on the people and uh, God is going to bless the nation. So you know, the early reign is the Old Testament, latter reign is the New Testament. But the good thing is and the blessing is that that New Testament era, uh, when God poured his spirit out at Pentecost, it wasn't a one-time thing, but it was a perpetual thing that God promised on that day he would build a church and supply the church his spirit and, and, and keep it going, which we are a part of that movement 2,000 years later. Joel says, the threshing floor shall be full of grain, the vats overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you to the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, the cutter, my great army which I sent you. So God says, you know, you've suffered because of your disobedience. I'm going to restore you, build you back. I'm going to strengthen you. 26, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dwelt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame again. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and there is none else, and my people will never be put to shame. And he goes on to say, I'll pour out my spirit, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So here's what I believe that speaks to us and what that says to us. This is not about physical prosperity. It's about spiritual prosperity, about being spiritually equipped to be the people of God. Uh, and the church is how God is doing that and how God is fulfilling that in our day and age. And what he began in Acts, he continues um, in our time. Um, but the way we can maintain this, you know, I think sometimes we think that the church in the, in the last days, the church is just going to limp across the finish line, but that's not the case. The Bible talks about a church that is thriving from the very beginning to the very end, uh, including the very last days. I know we talk about perilous times and we talk about people falling away, but the great commission and the mandate of the church and the movement of the church is biblically, you know, we're told biblically that it's going to be as strong at the last day as it was at the first day. And we need not believe the lie the enemy puts in our generation's mind that, well, the church is just going to kind of limp across the finish line, stumble across the finish line. We're doing good to have the people that we have, so let's not get our ambitions too high. The church should not believe that lie. And if we believe that, we become very isolated, very individualistic. We become very us against the world, and we lose sight of the mission, and we lose sight of the community. So don't believe that lie. It's not biblical, and it's hurting your spiritual growth, and it's really stunting the church's growth. Uh, in Ephesians 4, Paul talks about uh, the, the spirit that the church must maintain in order to continue to thrive, continue to, to fulfill that prophecy that was given to Joel uh, of a movement that is blessed and overflowing and, and building and growing. He talks about um, how we should be eager, Ephesians 4, 3, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And he talks about how there's one body and one Lord, one baptism, how we're all brought into something that we should share in, in the experience, that Christianity is not an individualistic experience. Yes, we accept Christ personally, but we are put into the church. The church is a body. The church is not about me or you individually. It's about us as Believers as family members in the household of God. That's the story the Ephesians tells, that God is building a household and you are participating in a family. And, and he says in Ephesians 4 that the grace of God was given so that everybody in the household could be blessed with the measure of Christ. And then he says that he's given different kinds of gifts, gifts to the leadership, gifts to the lay people. But then he says this in verse 12 of chapter 4. That the purpose of the church, that God has equipped pastors and, and teachers and leaders so that they may equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we obtain unity 
of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that the idea there is that we are all being equipped to be involved in ministry so that we all might grow together, grow personally and grow collectively so that we might be full of Christ, not carried away by one thing or another. He says in verse 16 that the whole body is being joined and held together and that you and I, called to be a part of the community, are essential for one another's growth even. So the key for us to maintain that spiritual blessing that Joel talks about, to maintain this fullness of Christ that Paul talks about, is being equipped for the work of the ministry. That you and I, as a part of the church, our participation in the church is not just uh, observation, but it's getting involved and it's getting involved with each other and joining alongside each other so that we might be a team a team who are doing ministry. The thing is, often we talk about the bare minimum, which is about accepting Christ. And, you know, even if you don't go to church, you're fine. But the New Testament calls us to accept Jesus, yes. And that is the, that is the minimum, that is, that is the starting point, but that's not the finish line. Uh, for Christians, yes, heaven, and, and, and if your goal is to only make it to heaven, God is gracious to accept you and bless you based on your faith in Christ. But as a Christian, you cannot ignore and anyone who says they've accepted Jesus cannot ignore the rest of the Bible. And I would argue you accepted the wrong Jesus if you somehow can and if you do. So as a church member, this is serious. As a church member, if you've accepted Christ, that's the beginning of your journey in the body of Christ, in his body, in his movement. Yes, it starts with a personal relationship, but we want to go beyond that, don't we? Joel says there's abundance, there's an overflowing. God is more than able to use today's church like he used previous generations' church. But what made the previous generations' church different was they came together as a team to be equipped for the work of the ministry, and they went and did ministry. So what we need to have is this attitude and this desire to be more able. Not just to be able to do the bare minimum, but to be more able to do maximum to the glory of God. And that's why I believe that being in a church community is so essential. And that's why I believe that more than just coming and sitting in rows, you need to be a part of a church community, sit in circles and grow together and talk together and sharpen one another, support one another. One another is such a key part of the New Testament. We see that phrase all the time. You don't get that by just walking in and walking out. You need to be part of a growing community, of a growing relationship with, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's why I believe that our small groups, our Bible studies, are such an important element to us as Christians, fulfilling that as members of this church. And that's why I believe that every church ought to lean into this. It's not just about putting on a big observation, uh, observational show on Sunday mornings. It's about getting in community together and building off of what God told us collectively. Yes, God gives the man of God or the leader, the pastor, with a, 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 from his word. Yes, that's important to worship corporately and hear the word of God corporately. That's what Jesus did. But Jesus also spent a lot of time with the 12 and with the three. He was in community and he was leading and guiding them in a very personal way. And you and I need that with one another, alongside one another. And we will not get that if we do not see this through, that the local church is just the starting point for us getting involved in community
in relationship with one another. Now, a lot of people say, well, I do a Bible study off, you know, a separate from the church. This is best when it's part of the church because you're, you're seeing your goals collectively and you're, you're, you're wiring your hearts to a shared goal. Be in all the Bible studies that you want. But I think as a church member, it needs to be something that's a part of your church. And again, if your church isn't doing this, you should advocate for it because it's biblical. It's biblical. Here's three reasons why I think that emphasizing the communal aspect of the church, getting in community and growing as disciples around one another and with one another, I think there's three reasons. And three reasons why you need to be in one of these sorts of environments. Number one is the accessibility that it opens you up to. You see, if you have an area of your life that needs to be spoken to, sometimes those closest to us at home and family, they don't know if they can, they don't have the courage, they don't know if it's appropriate or they feel like that, you know, if they say something, you'll take it the wrong way. If you're in community with God's people and you're all in the, in the movement for the glory of God, for the purpose of Christ to be full and to grow and to do ministry, you will be making yourself accessible so that someone else might speak into your life what your family might not be able to or not, not be at the right place to. That opening yourself up to other Christians to speak to you and talk to you and to, to sharpen you, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another. That opening yourself, making yourself accessible, there's that word able, that we might be more able to do what God has called us to do. You need to be accessible to people. People need to be able to speak to you and share God's word with you and show you something that you may be overlooked, that the enemy may blind you over. Also, for a matter of accountability. If you read the Bible, anytime people of God became isolated from the community, it went bad. Uh, read the Old Testament. The story of David's life stands out. David separated himself from his brotherhood, from his mighty men, from his you know soldiers, and from the people that were around him. He separated himself. He was isolated, and he went down a dangerous, dark road that ended up destroying his family uh, and hurting a lot of reputations in, in the scheme of things, hurting himself in, in, in an irreversible way that you must avoid isolation, that yes, you can believe in Jesus all by yourself, but if you believe in Jesus, you're a part of his church and you need accountability lest you drift away, that we need to be accountable. And when you're a part of the local church and not just coming in and going out, but when you're doing community with one another, you are accountable and you're less likely to do something that maybe would hurt the whole body and hurt yourself. So there's a matter of accessibility, accountability, and adaptability. That when you're in a team and when you're in a community and when you're growing together, there are things that you're strong at but someone else might not be. And you can help them in their weakness and they can help you in your weakness. And whereas we can't do it on our own, but we can do it together. We talked about this in our Nehemiah Bible study recently that Nehemiah, though it was his vision, and though it was his obligation as the leader, Nehemiah was not so foolish to think that he could make it all happen on his own. Yes, he called the people to rise up and build, but he emphasized it was in us, not in me. I'm not going to do this. It was, we're going to do this. And if you read Nehemiah 3, every other verse, you, you see the phrase, next to them, next to them. As they got together and begin to build the city back and begin to you know, reorganize the city and restructure the city, Nehemiah was not a one-man show. He was alongside one another, alongside his brothers and sisters. And that sort of, of, of positioning yourself allows for adaptability. It allows for someone else to be able to fill a gap whenever you're not able to do that because we're not called to do everything. We're called to do our thing. Our gifts can be displayed, but we can only do what we are able to do, but we can be more able to do more for the kingdom of God when we're working together as a team. So 
I hope that you'll consider these passages. I hope you'll consider the whole counsel of Scripture where God's always building a community, where God's always putting people into fellowship. Read Acts chapter 2, Acts 4. The church thrived when the people were on the same team and they were growing together and sharpening each other and strengthening each other, holding each other accountable, making themselves accessible to each other. And they were able to adapt. They were able to be versatile. They were able to be cooperative and get more done when they were all working together for the greater good, for the greater goal, for the glory of God. So I've laid out a lot for you, and I hope that you'll strongly consider getting involved in a small group uh, at your local church. And, and our church has these environments every Sunday night at 6 p.m. Uh, we meet together and we break out into groups, uh, no greater than eight or nine people, and we come together around God's Word and we do a Bible study and, and we consider questions and answer questions that are uh, appropriate to our practical personal lives and to our collective goal as the church. And we help each other and we hold each other accountable and we speak into each other's hearts and we, more than anything, we support each other and love each other and pray for each other and that is so important and this is something that is not done from pulpits it's not done from microphones it's done in circles when the people of God commit to the work of God and come together and are equipped for the work of the ministry and as great as you can be informed in a sermon you're equipped in circles you're equipped when you open yourself up to one another and you join in each other's lives and you commit to one another and to your church that this is part of your faith and it's, and it's an extension of your faith. You may be able to follow Jesus personally, individually, not even ever stepping into a church house. You, you can do that. But you can be more able to do abundantly more. And God is more able to do exceedingly above what you ever imagined when you walk according to his word. And his word leads you as a Christian into his church, into his body. And his word leads you as a church member into community with your brothers and sisters. And that's how we get stuff done for the kingdom of God. That's how we thrive. That's how we grow. And that's how our church or any church can tackle 2022 with the right spirit and accordance to God's word and get the most done. Thank you for joining us for this video today. I hope this uh, just echoes what was said earlier by our church members, and I hope that it inspires you all to get involved in your local church. Be in community. Make yourself accessible. Hold yourself accountable and join together and show off the adaptability and the versatility of the local church when all of us working together with our own gifts pool our resources for the greater good and the greater glory of the kingdom of God. God bless you all. Have a great day. Hope to see you next time.